I I want us to just kind of think about the the work or the aid uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ on our, our life via the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, when he told his disciples that it was uh, good for him to go away, uh, that was beyond the, their understanding. Why in the world would you ever say something like that? Why would it be good for you to go away? And he gave the answer to that. He says, if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. And uh, and when he's come, uh, as you see in the in the scriptures, I think it's in chapter 14. Um, he talks about when he's come into the world, he re- reproved the world of sin and of righteousness. Chapter 16, um, in verse number eight, um, he says, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment. Um, that's the that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and when He's working uh, overtime, in a sense that He's He if it's not happening, then He's working extra to try to make it happen. And uh, I, I hope that this new year is one where you say, I really want to be with Christ continually. I, I want to. Not just uh, in a sense like I go on feelings necessarily, feel his presence, but to really know his presence. To know his presence in the fact that you know that he is leading you. To know his presence in the fact that there's a sense of rest and peace in your life. It doesn't take away the problems. I didn't say that. But to know that he is right there with you. There's no greater, there's no greater uh, blessing and to know that you're not dealing with things on your own. I, I struggle at times, maybe, and maybe it's because I'm weak in the area myself, to try to get the message across to people. What does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean for Christ to lead your every step? I, I think I mentioned last week I read a book, uh, and, and one of the emphasis that the author had in this book was People get way, way ahead too far in their thinking. They think on about, I think I mentioned that to you the other day, didn't I? Is the, is the idea that, uh, you know, they're worried about next week and tomorrow, the week, you know, three days ahead, a week ahead. You know what? That, that's, and we live in a day and age now where we have the smartphones. I think that's not appropriately named, but uh, it dummies us down, really, I think, in a lot of ways. Is we, have, we have all this access to information. And really, it's, what are we doing with it? You know, a lot of it, we just, we, it's not necessary. The things that we need to be focused on should be right in front of us, you know. And the other things we know not to worry about. Um, you know, not that we're oblivious to whatever else is going on in the world, but, you know, we miss the, we can't see the forest for the trees, in other words. You know, we, we, the, the value of your, of your marriage, the value of your kids, the value of your church, the value of, uh, your own devotions and things that are more primary in your life uh, are missed because we're so focused somewhere else. And so I, I, my goal as your pastor this year is to, to be, first of all, the best example of what I'm talking about, that I'm abiding with Christ as your pastor, that I'm, I'm living by faith and God has given me grace to be what I need to be as a, 
as a as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a as a pastor. God is uh, giving me the all those things that I by faith look to Him. Lord, what do you want me to do today with with my home? What do you want me to do today as far as work? What do you want me to do today? Uh, and uh, so that I'm in a sense abiding with Christ. And notice what it says here. And let's stand as we read these verses together. Starting in verse number 1, chapter 16. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, they should not be offended. Verse 1. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when they, the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said and not unto you at the beginning because I was, I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you ask me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things and his sorrow filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. I bet when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it, un, it unto you. All these things, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you little while, and you shall see me not. And again, a little while, you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Father, we thank you for this, this wonderful gift of your Holy Spirit, Father. This wonderful uh, treasure that, Father, we have in an earthen vessel, Father, to realize your presence and to know your every wish and will. Father, that you would not only be with us, but you'd guide us in the truth. Father, that we'd have the the wisdom to understand, uh, Father, when we sin, and and Father, what to do when we do sin, and how to avoid sin. And Father, not only to avoid the things that we want to do in our flesh, but Father, as it says, righteousness, to know and to do your will and do it in your strength and have grace for that. And, Father, to be motivated, Father, from knowing that, Father, we are held accountable. That there is a standard, Father, that, uh, Lord, we will stand in your presence, Father, and give an account for this life. And, Father, that we wouldn't be ashamed or afraid or fear, Father, when that day approaches. Father, rejoice and look forward to it, knowing that we fought a good fight and we kept the faith. I thank you, Father, for this Lord's Day. I thank you for this. Hopefully, Father, we'll see another new year where, Father, you're, you could go forward in our lives and our church 
Father, with our children. Lord, I ask you to bless. There's many that need to hear the message of Christ. And Father, are hindered. I pray that you bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. As strange as it may sound, when it talks about abiding in Christ, is really to is not to leave nothing unturned. And one of the things I want to deal with this morning is to have the right mind when it comes to to money and riches, true riches. And sometimes we we're misguided on that. And I think the, the misguidedness is so prevalent in our world that the world has gone headlong. And I don't think it's any different than it was back in the time of Christ. I think money was a big deal back then. I think having riches was a big deal. To be wealthy was a big deal. But I don't know. I think God in His grace, He could make every one of us filthy rich. Right? Doesn't he have the resources to probably fill every bank account with all the money that we would, more than we could ever need? But he doesn't do that, does he? And so I think it really is misguided when we put so much focus on that. It's not so much that, that money is not important. It is. Uh, it is something that is important. But the idea there is that sometimes we're misguided by it. Uh, I want to give you just a few verses before we begin, and, and I want to look at some of the things that the, the Scriptures talks about when it talks about riches. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 19, don't have to turn there because I'm just going to breeze through these pretty quickly. 19 and verse 20 and 20, 23 and 24, Then Jesus said unto his eyes, Verily I say unto you that the rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24, and again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I know I'm going to, I know every one of you are probably thinking, well, Pastor, that certainly doesn't apply to me. I'm not a rich man. Probably never will be a rich man. But it's not just the idea that you, that you have money, it's the idea of how you think about money. You may think about money just the same way a rich man thinks about money. So that makes your idea, your principle of, of, of that as twisted as his. I was thinking I was mentioning something to Glenn. I didn't, it just dawned on me, and I've been working at the airport full time for, well, now almost two years. I guess it'd be, it was two years in December, or last November, I think I started full time again. And I didn't realize it, but I, actually from the time I leave home until the time I get back to home is 12 hours. Five days a week. I don't know about you, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time that's devoted just to make what? Just to make some money. And you think about it, you think, well, wow, uh, how is it that I'm, I'm expending so much energy and time and thought of my life in this one area out of a, uh, of a 12 hour day or 24 hour day, which we're going to spend some time sleeping, hopefully, of spending on this idea of, of just earning some money. Again, 
and Mark, he mentions the same thing. I'm not going to repeat it. But he says it's hard. He uses the illustration of a of a camel going through the eye of a needle. Now, I've heard people say that they used to knot the eye of a needle like what you think about, uh, like threading, a, uh, you know, as you're getting ready to sew, that it more referred to a, a small place where a camel couldn't get through or he had to get down on his knees to get through it. But I really believe the first one is more proper. Actually, it was thinking of a, of a camel in the eye of a needle. Uh-huh. You know, you, it borders on the idea of being ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, you wouldn't think of a camel threatening a, a camel through uh, uh, where you put a thread. But the idea there is how many people are so given over to this idea of money. You know, the Bible speaks of it, and I'll probably get there, but the idea that, 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 that it's not only difficult, it's impossible for a rich man. And I think that when it's referring to there, it's not just referring to the idea, again, that if you have a lot of money, it's just your ideas of money. You say, well, what does this have to do, Pastor, with this idea of abiding in Christ? thing of it is, we do have to pay our bills, right? I mean, you got some bills you got to pay. How I many you think like they never stop? I mean, you just—you never really—you you got, you got more bills than you got money, right? It always ends up that way. You figure how you're going to sort that out to get it paid. Some of it is, I think, of some of our own doing. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark with me once. Mark chapter number 12. That's what it says. Verse number 38. He said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothes, clothing, and love salutations in the marketplace, and chief seats in the synagogue, and the uppermost rooms of the feast, which devour widows' houses for pretense, and make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. What is the next place that Jesus gives us? In verse 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast their money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. There came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all she had, even all what? Her living. But what I want you to see there is that Jesus was watching, wasn't he? 
He was interested in just what was important to the individuals. He knew that the ones were giving of their abundance and the one lady gave of something that she didn't even really have. He doesn't condemn the fact that she did what she did. He didn't say it was wrong to do what she did. Matter of fact, what you see here is that he honored her in what she did. You say, is that what you're trying to get across? You, you're just trying to fill these offering plates in the, in the church so there will be more money in the, in the church coffers? Is that what you're trying to say, Pastor? You missed the whole point. If you've been here at all, you know that I don't speak on money, and I've even been challenged and criticized to some degree because I don't. Maybe I need to. But the idea being there is that God watches what we do. God knows your heart. He knows where your he says you know he says where your where your treasure is there will your what your heart be also. And so we're thinking about this idea of what we read in Mark or John this morning of uh, of Jesus of the Holy Spirit being in us and we want to say Lord guide me in my thinking today guide me in what you want me to say and guide me in what that's pretty intimate wouldn't you say. How about would God guide you when you go? How many ever felt like you got holes in your pockets? Man, the funny money goes in. You put it, man, where'd it go? You put money in the bank and where'd it go? How many ever had that feeling? Man, I had all this money and where'd it go? I know that goes on between spouses. They say, where'd you spend that money? Uh, I mean, uh, where'd all that money go? I had to put all that money in the bank. Where'd it go? Well, I had to do this, and I had to do that, and I had to do this. And after that spouse explains to you what happened, well, I guess you're right. It just, it just seemed like we had money and we had to spend it all. So let me give you the first point this morning. And that, first of all, a right mind is understanding the curse of covetousness. Understand that is a curse. If you don't understand what covetousness is, you know, the Bible speaks of covetousness as being idolatry. Do you know that? Wanting something. Remember that Jesus spoke to the, the after he baptized and was uh, 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 the soldiers asked him, what must I do? And he said, what? Be God, content with your wages. The idea of being, how many of you think you're you're content with your, I, you know, really, my company doesn't really need to pay me anymore. Really. Stop. You guys, I've got plenty. How how many, how many of you have that, had that spirit? I got plenty. I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to function just fine on what I have. I don't need any more. I, I'm not disappointed that he didn't give me a raise this year. Nobody like that, is there? We always think we need a little more. You know, if we're thinking about that, we're not trusting in what the Lord has given us. Think about it. Who provides for all of us? Jesus provides for all of us, doesn't he? And if we're not content with what we have, we're saying in essence to the Lord, Lord, you just are not taking good care of me. Now, nobody would say that out loud, but in essence, that's what we're really saying, isn't it? 
Maya, I, I only have so much and you're just not really... Pro- Why, we would never verbalize that, but in actuality we think that. Exodus chapter number 20, if you will. Exodus chapter number 20, basic, basic stuff this morning. But if we're going to abide with the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to understand that maybe part of that problem with abiding in Christ is that we're under a curse. Verse number 17 We all know chapter 20 deals with what? The Ten Commandments. He says, Thou shalt not what? Covet thy neighbor's house. Right? Should be content with your home, right? You know, sometimes we we may think we got a nice enough home, but we can't afford it. I mean, know what I'm talking about. We got more house than we can really afford. Just barely making the payments or baking the rent. Notice what it says. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that belongs to what? Your neighbor. The idea being there that, listen, covetousness. Though it's the last commandment, it's probably one of the primary commandments. Why? Because it does affect our ability to abide in Christ. If, we're, is our, if our mind is to be stayed on the Lord for the glory of God, and we're constantly concerned and consumed about what? Money or, or things, right? Is, it, is that really the mind of Christ? Is that what Jesus was focused? We have a uh, we put a new sign out there in our on our new sign a new sign on our sign is that right? It says what? Is the the treasures of your heart worth Jesus dying for? Is that pretty close? Is, the, is what you consider and what is what is the focus of your life? Is that what worth what Jesus dying for? Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter number 7. We took some time as a church. We went through this idea of having a budget. How many remember when we went through the budget as a church? Remember what a budget is? Help me out. What is a budget? Just give it to me in in simple terms. What does it mean when you have a budget? Yeah, you're you're telling your money where to go, right? You're you're basically I'm saying I have this much money and I'm structuring it and I'm planning it and I'm purposing it that my money is going to go and and I'm, money's not going to rule me. I'm going to rule what? Yeah. It's not going to be the one that lords over me. I'm going to lord over it. Romans chapter number seven. Look with me in verse number. 
get there, I think. Romans chapter number 7. It says, but, verse 6, we are now delivered from the law. Right? We just read the law back in the back, Ten Commandments, right? We were delivered from the law. Did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto what? Death. That means covetousness is ruling and reigning over our lives, controlling us, and it's control, and instead of us controlling it. But now we are delivered what? We're delivered from what? The law, aren't we? Instead of the raw law being uh, having dominion over us, we're delivered from the law, that being dead, we're in it, we were held, that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of what? The letter. That means that we now have the ability, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to guide our affairs when it comes to this money, that instead of the money lording over us, we are what? Lording over it. Sophie said, listen, we're telling it where to go. We're telling it what we want to do. Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Well, keep it in context. We're going to have to read through most of it. Verse number 1. He says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there are no powers but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. They that resist shall receive into themselves damnation, for rulers not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou be then not afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he that is the minister of God, a revenger, of execute wrath upon them that upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must need subject not only for wrath's sake, but for conscience sake. For this cause, what? Pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending daily, continually upon this very thing. Render to all their dues and tributes to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor, honor to whom honor. In verse number 8, owe no man what? Anything. I really believe the Bible speaks of what? Who is a servant when you have death? Who's a servant? Who's a slave? You are. As long as you have debt, you're not in service to our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot abide with Him because you are what? In debt. How easy is it? How many of you 
think you could go down to a new car dealer and buy a new car? How many think you could go down there, sign a paper, and you could buy a new car? If you have a job. How many got a job? Nobody's got a job? Raise your hand if you got a job. You could buy a new car. Does that mean you can afford it? No, you can't afford it. Or if you're like me, you can't afford it. You got a house payment, you got a car payment, you got the gas payment, you got the you got all these different payments. I'm not saying you have to drive clunker, but I'm saying to this the world says you could buy a new car every year probably. That doesn't mean it's God's will. Do you think that covetousness could be a part of our debt problem? How many think covetousness could be a part of it? Boy, you can find anything and everything on that internet, can't you? Wow, you know, you can you can Google it and you can find it and and if Amazon got Amazon doesn't have, I don't know what I was going to say, but if Amazon doesn't have it, it ain't worth having, right? You say, Pastor, why why the emphasis? Because I believe that we're suffering of a division of our own spirit. Now listen to me. Remember the rich man? How many remember the rich man in the Bible? Remember the rich man, how that he came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus say? Well, what are the commandments? And he rattled them off all the way down through. Have you, have you, uh, uh, have you not uh, murdered anybody? Have you not uh, and gave them all except for the first four? Remember what the first four was? He says, well, yeah, I've done all these things from my youth up. And Jesus said, well, here's what you need to do. So all you have, get to the poor and follow me. And what did he say? Can't do it. Who was the rich man's God? Riches, his money, or his hope for money, or his desire for money, or to keep his money, or to make more money. I don't know. He just says, I can't do that. How many of you think, just being honest with you this morning, that somehow your money issues affect your spiritual issues to some degree? Come on. To some degree it affects you. Right? Because your mind's on it. You spend a lot of time trying to accomplish what you need to accomplish and, 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 and getting where you need to go. Point being, as it says in verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath for what? Fulfilled the law. So instead of the idea of focusing on your needs, your covetousness, it needs to be focused on the Lord. First Timothy. So there is a curse of covetousness. Let me give you another one. 
I know how this message is going to go. I know that you talk about indebtedness and you talk about uh, 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 being over your head and overwhelmed. And you say, well, I could, if I could do it today, I'd do it and I'd be done with it. But I can't do it in a day. It didn't take you a day to get there. First Timothy chapter number six. We're going to start in verse number three. First Timothy chapter number six. <clears throat> well, we got to step back. Let's start off verse one. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. For the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service. Because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit, these things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envying, strife, railing, evil surmisings, Perverse disputing of men, corrupt mind, destitute of the truth, supposing that what is what? Gain is what? Godliness. That's a broad, broad term. But you tell me. It says in the book of James, someone comes in and dressed really nice and really sharp. Looks like they got their act together. And we give honor unto them more than we do those that come in that are looking kind of shabby and poor. He says, but perverse disputing and things, supposing that gain is godly for such withdraw thyself, but godliness with what? Contentment. Let me give you this second one. First of all, it's not only the curse of covenant, but there's a curse of misguided love. Misguided love. Verse number 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be what? Well, you know this? You know, Pastor, this is one of these old versions. I mean, they really, you know, this old version, this old, this one doesn't have what we're going through today. I mean, really now we need some other things that are not listed here besides food and raiment. I mean, we really do need the, the latest uh, of all that's out there. We have to have the uh, the latest for our home, the latest for our pockets, the latest uh, 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 whatever's out there. We got to have the, the newest and the best. You think raiment and food is sufficient in God's eyes still, or do, do we need to improve upon this scripture a little bit? You know, let me sum up a little bit what I'm saying in this misguided love. See, the world has a standard. And boy, we see, we see the excesses out there. How many know what I'm talking about? We see the excesses. And we say, wow, it's just right up here. But you know, the Christian just lowers his standard just a little bit. But it's still the same way. Let me say this. 
is that we have, I think, and personally, and for my own life, I think I'm, I'm almost misguided in knowing what is really moderation. What is it to live in a, in a, in a very modest way in this world? The Bible says is that we are not only responsible for our own needs, we're to have enough to give others. How many know that? It ought to be when there's a need that comes up in and around you, whether it be your family or somebody in your church, or maybe just at that Joe Blow on the street, that somehow you have got enough to give them. How many think God would just tell you to open up your wallet and give somebody something? It's interesting <clears throat> the other day, and I hadn't even planned this, to talk about it. But every day <clears throat> I take the bus, been taking the bus back and forth. Don't like the bus too much, but it's cheap. And this lady got on the bus, and she had one of these new Venter cars. And I thought she she thought she had it loaded or didn't have it loaded. She pulled it out of her purse and she tried using it and said, not sufficient funds. And then she thought, he said, well, you know, it'll take other kind of credit cards, I guess, too. I don't know. I don't know how that thing works. But it, you just place it up against there in the proximity and it lights up. And normally, I'm flat broke. I don't ever I don't ever have any money in my pocket. But somehow I ended up with some extra cash from somewhere. And God just says to me, pay for her fare. Just pay for her fare. I never do that. But you know, if I didn't have the money in my pocket, I'd say, Well, I'd like you, God, but I don't have it. How many ever say, I'd like you, but I don't have it? Who was the God that was ruling at that moment? Your Lord Jesus Christ? Or that one that's out there that says you don't have it? It's You spend your money for yourself. You don't have it for someone else. It's a misguided love. Look what it says. He says, not having food and raiment, let us therewith be content, but they that will be rich fall into the temptations and snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And this is the verse that we often hear quoted or misquoted. For the love of the money is what? The love of money is the root of all evil. While some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with what? The problem I'm having this morning with this message is that you don't think it pertains to you. You hear me? The problem is that you're going to hear this message this morning and you're going to walk out those doors. There's not going to be any change in your life because you like the way your God treats you. Let me say, I got great joy that day from that little, that was only 
I think $2. But it said something to me. It said, boy, I got such a, a, a blessing out of being a blessing. I'm thinking, wow, am I, I'm wasting money on myself, in a sense, uh, 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 with things that maybe I really don't need or uh, I don't really have the uh, uh, necessity for. When I could turn around and be used of God to be what? Great blessing. Great joy. I tell you what, I, I, I came home after doing that and I thought, and I don't, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you what it, the sense of great victory I got. Now listen, you ask yourself, is your love misguided? The love of what? The root problem, maybe you can't be the blessing you need to be, is that you're all about yourself and your need. I'm going to wind this up with one more point. And I want you to turn with me in Luke. Luke chapter number 18. I honestly, sincerely believe that we're, we really need, do need a, a, a church that's going to say, I'm going to budget my money. And part of that budget is just, I'm going to live a very modest life so that I can be used of God. So when God speaks to me about money... I hear him, and I don't hear my own voice about what I'm supposed to do. Look, in, look with me in, in Luke, Luke 18. He says, uh, and I'm going to read this through, so bear with me. Luke 18, verse 1. He says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always to pray and not to faint or give up. Saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, and, and there was a widow in that city which came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversaries. And he would not for a while, for a while but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You say, Pastor, what's this got to do with the subject at hand this morning of having a right mind concerning money? I mean, you know that we just talked about the, the, the widow lady as he watched her throw the last bit into the treasury. I mean, you know that. Had to deal with money. And he was pleased with what she did. Am I not right? Even though it was the last she had, he was pleased with her. You say, well, she, she wasn't even going to be able to go out and buy, uh, I don't know what they bought, corn, oil, it wasn't peanut butter, but it, she went out and she wasn't going to have that to buy. I remember that 
when, when the prophet Elijah came to the widow woman and says, Hey, hey I, you need to feed me. You need to take care of me. This is what, you take care of me, I'll take care of God will take care of you. Did God take care of the widow woman? She was getting, making her last bit to feed her son and herself, and then they were going to die. And they probably would have. But what did God do? He supplied their need according to His riches in Christ Jesus. The just shall live by what? Faith. The Bible doesn't say the just shall live by your bank account. The just shall live by your, your job that you have. The just shall live by your, uh, your own uh, means. God says the just shall live by what? Faith. Let me ask you, how much faith is applied to your finances? Really? How I many it says, you know, we're going to set aside and we're going to be, live modestly and we're going to make this happen because God wants us to live by what? And he asks, will there be faith on the earth? I think that is a huge place in the Christian life, don't you? If you and I could put our finances in God's terms, and we trust God for the things that God wants accomplished through our finances... How many of you think that sometimes we need that in our church, with our church budget? Right? We say, God, we don't know how we're going to provide for those missionaries. We don't know how we're going to do that, but we feel that it's our responsibility. We need to live by faith. I, 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 mean, I, I mean, I have a, a faith promise card underneath there. I'm going to fill it out. I, I really believe that God wants me to be involved in that. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm going to trust God. And you pray, and God says, do this. Say, really, God? But you told me that. All right, Lord. Somehow you're going to make this. And how many think you get a blessing from that? Every week you watch God fill up and make it do. Because you were considering the needs. Like that widow woman says, there's somebody needs this more than me. Threw it in it. Somebody needs this bigger than I do. I have Christ as my Savior. I have my children saved. I have, my, I have a life that's redeemed by God. I have a great hope for the future. I don't need this. Somebody else needs it. Chapter 18. Verse 9. And he spake this parable unto them which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, another publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. God, I thank that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, just, adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes to heaven was smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for the other, everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be what? So there needs to be a finding of faith, and next there needs to be a finding of humility. You know, when we have to depend on God, you know what that spells? Humility. 
How many of you think that little lady that threw that money into the treasury of all that had humility? How many of you think she had a lot of humility? When you look at this, we can feel pretty puffed up from what we do, right? We can feel pretty puffed up how much I put into the treasury and how much I do and how much I... And who is justified? When you've done all this, you stay still. I'm an unprofitable servant. The curse is not only of covetous and of misguided love, but there's a curse that's in competition for your soul. One, a lack of faith. Secondly, a lack of humility. You look in verse 15 and verse 7 through 17. And then they brought unto him infants that he would touch them. And But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked him. And Jesus called unto him and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. It says in verse 17, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall no wise enter therein. Now, I, I don't think we have this problem in this church. But I know it exists. People are so covetous they won't have, they'll limit what God would have to have children. You realize that? I grew up in a time where there wasn't that thought. Children were a blessing. And you know, I, I don't, when you think about raising up a godly seed, and that is some gift God has given you, you realize there's people that are neglecting their children for the sake of money. You listen to me? Neglecting their children for money. I thank God for those that have the faith to say, you know what? There's nothing more important to me in my life than my children. And I'm not going to hinder them from entering the kingdom of God. They're gifts of God and I'm going to use them and I'm going to I'm praising God that I've been gifted with the ability to have and to train and to teach and I'm going to use my time in a modest way so that I can spend time with my children. I may think that's important. Train them up. I'm going to close on this last one, but listen, these are these are things that are competing. It takes faith, it takes humility, <clears throat> it takes purpose. My purpose here, and I thank God. Your parents have put your purpose where it belongs. I thank God that you think it's important to have a good family. I do. I just, I, I think most of you know it. I am excited about young people. I'm excited that this is the potential for the future of the of, of I think of the strength of Christianity. It's not going to be the ones you win at middle age that are going to be those kids that were raised up in the in the Lord and you had a part of it. Let me think that that's true. 
Let me give you the last one. Starting in verse number 18. 18, 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, And why callest me good? None is good but one. That is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these things I kept from my youth up. When Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, What yet lackest thou one thing? Shall all that thou hast and distribute to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Let me read that again. Or maybe you should read it with me. Yet lackest thou what? One thing. Sell all thou hast, distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have what? Treasure in heaven. How many of you think he was just picking on this rich man? Well, he knew he had a lot of money. He knew he, man, he was just picking on him because he knew he had a lot of money. You know what? I don't think that's true. How many of you think God wants us all to have treasure in heaven? How many think that part of that giving and, and supporting and encouraging is part of the way that God reaches people for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? We're not a socialist country. We're not a socialist church. It's not a it's not a leveling out of oh well you got some uh, more than this person you need to give uh, that isn't what God is talking about. He's using the resources you have for the gospel's sake. You say, Pastor, you're not in your right mind. Well, you tell Jesus. You tell Jesus that he went overboard with this rich man. He was just picking on this rich man. Listen, I'm not just limited being. Listen to me. Some of you kids out there, you, you don't know what it is to give. You think it's all for adults. Let me tell you, if you don't give as a young person, you'll never give when you're an adult. You don't learn to give and support and encourage those around you. It might be your brother or your sister or somebody that you, you know, be able to give a, a dollar, two dollars to. You're so tight with your money. Or you spend it on yourself. Both are wrong. Parents, you need to teach your children to give. You listen? Not just give that time. Show them opportunities to give where they could. You say, what is that all about? And you see this rich man. The Bible says in verse 23, And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he, had very, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he was sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that riches enter into the kingdom of God? And then the one that we often hear, it was easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 
How many of you think, and this I'm done, but how many of you think it's a it's a witness what you do with your money? <laughs> how many of you think that's a witness? How many sometimes people look at you and you're doing something for somebody else and they say, Well, you don't have the money to do that. You're right, I don't. It's not my money, it's God's. See, I think that's why the Bible says if you cannot be a good steward of the filthy, dirty mammon that God gives you, God says, I cannot give you what? True riches. You say, why is, why is this important? Because I believe we have idols in our homes and in our hearts. And that idol is that, is that money that we're not doing properly. And you say, I want Jesus to abide with me. I want Him to guide me. I want Him to talk to me. I want Him to, uh, to work in my life. I want Him to show me the way. Listen, you really mean that? You really do mean that? And you get your money in order. And you have money not only that you pay your bills, you have money, that wallet comes out of that pocket and it has the ability to take care of needs around you. Liberal. Remember what Paul said to the, the Macedonians? Remember that? He says, I want you to make up beforehand so that, so that there is no want. God intends Christians to have a good mind when it comes to this money. And it's no God to them. Are you listening? You say, I, I, I want to, I wanna, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to memorize. I'm going to come to church. I'm gonna, listen, if you don't get a handle on this money, I don't care what you do else. God cannot use you. Number one, if you're not budgeting your money, you're not careful where you spend that money. And if you just fither it away here and there and, and, and you're not you're not leading it, it's leading you, then you're in trouble. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you.